This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with Stella Strazowska. How's it going today? Good. How you doing? Glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I'm doing great. Um, you do incredible artwork. As I was just mentioning to you, I listened to one of your most recent podcasts on, I believe, the podcast called Trip Sitting, and it was a great conversation. And I was like, wow, you'd, you'd make an incredible guest for my podcast as well. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. I have plenty more stories to share. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, to get a little bit of a backstory um, for people here, how would you describe what you do as far as the type of art that you create? Um, I think, well, psychedelics early on influenced the whole point in uh, using art as a tool to elevate, unite consciousness, um, and to be of service uh, to others who may be suffering or not find any purpose or lacking inspiration. Um, so, you know, the early, you know, early on I got inspired and then I started creating a daily ritual uh, of a way to keep a constant flow of inspiration to come through because, uh, you know, not every trip you're going to get that golden vision or whatever. So it's a, a daily ritual of calling in uh, visions that are my greatest service that could uplift and unite consciousness, uh, that could inspire and nourish creativity and imagination. I, I do this daily ritual and like, Usually there's like a core recipe of the things I'm asking for. And then some days a little this, a little that, you know, uh, and I'm pretty, so right now what I'm doing is I wake up and I meditate and then I start going through my, my prayers. Uh, and when I get to like my third eye, you know, that's when I say I'm receiving visions that are my greatest service in this lifetime, you know, all these things. And, um, and then they just kind of start coming forth sometimes not in a psychedelic trip it's like just doing the dishes and it's like hits me or i'm on a yoga mat and like like a root of a vision starts or my husband might even have a vision that then kind of starts getting synthesized uh or sometimes you just smoke some dmt and you see it all literally so <laughs> it, it's kind of like this uh this vision quest uh and just being of service through receiving and sharing and also uh, expressions. That's been enough. So there's like visions and there's like expressions of like my trips and like the, the feelings and the things that I go through and like just the psychonaut expressions uh, of the vibes and the feels. And then there's also like the reflection of like the progress of my journey we're kind of using art to be like a hyper sigil to manifest my true will and my higher self or to reflect and to share the stories with others like of where I've been or, right, you know, a little way to relate to others so that they could be vulnerable and kind of, you know, yeah. not feel alone. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about visionary art is that, it really creates this sense of community 
and validation that psychedelic experiences that you've had other people are having. Um, because, you know, the first couple ones you have, and of course, they're called hallucinogens a lot of the time. And it kind of makes you think and puts this kind of programming in us that like, this is a hallucination, aka, it's not real, it's fake, it's a little dream. And, you know, what's so strange, though, and, and validating is the consistency that so many people are having with their experiences. They're visiting similar spaces, they're seeing similar things, they're meeting similar beings. And that, to me, kind of uh, infers that this is not a hallucination. This is actually a heightened state of consciousness we're able to see beyond this default mode network um, that we live in and see actual real things that are happening on higher levels of reality. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps hallucination is a contextual term used by a society that has lost touch with these spaces or doesn't have a cultural connection Right. Um, although you see, I feel like a lot of the art in like religious, like temples and, you know, synagogue or mm -hmm. all these different like special places. But, um, yeah. 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 Well, well, I think that some of these religions, spiritual and, and spiritual traditions, um, come out of psychedelic experiences and what's interesting to think is that they may not know it was induced by a chemical. Like, for example, some of these early religions, they might not have known a mushroom did a thing. And they, yeah. ate, the mush they ate the mushroom because it was dinner. It was, it was in the soup. And they, they're foragers and they don't know. But God came to them that night and gave them a grand mm -hmm. vision. And they were chosen. And they don't know it was, <laughs> you know, that there was a catalyst being the psilocybin. They just think that that actually really happened. And it did. I'm not trying to say it didn't happen. But what's interesting <laughs> is to think about how powerful these experiences are. If you weren't to know what caused it, it mm. would feel like God reached his hand down out of the sky and gave you <laughs> something extra special, would it not? Yeah. It still feels like that, even when you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But like the whole, you know, I'm not the first person to say this, but Moses and the burning bush, they mm -hmm. say that it's a, that there's a lot of acacia bushes in that region where apparently that happened and acacia is very high in DMT. And mm. if it's burning, you know, that's DMT burning. You inhale the smoke, you might just mm. have a vision of God, right? Totally. Yeah. So, so I can see that that's how potentially a lot of these religious religions started. And once they maybe, you know, I'm doing some heavy speculation here, but yeah. once they maybe caught on to, oh, now we're figuring out what does it, they would kind of uh, demonize those gates because they're, they're not as special now. The church, quote unquote, isn't as special now if they're not the only ones that have access to God, you know, there's no go between, there's no middleman. If everyone just kind of knows, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There could have been a lot of 
a lot of things that went down that wedged the way between the you know having the the ability to explore your own consciousness or that to be somewhat like culturally acceptable Mm -hmm. um a religion has gotten weird with that in the times but right yeah i agree yeah they'll either they'll either demonize it or say it's a hallucination so it's either bad or it's fake but it's not real it's not (laughs) you didn't meet god really only we can meet god you know but Mm -hmm. it's an interesting thought um how would you say the effect of psychedelics feels feels to you like a lot of us and not everyone that tries psychedelics has a spiritual experience but I, uh, I think you do, and I certainly do. I actually didn't know what spirituality was before my initial psychedelic experiences. I was, you know, on the verge of atheism. I was probably more like agnostic, where it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to say either way, but I don't have any experience of spirituality or anything beyond what I can see with my eyes. But um, after my initial experiences with psychedelics, I was like, holy shit, like... Now I'm kind of understanding why there's so many books written about the mystical, why, um, why some artwork is so crazy awesome. And it was crazy because I was actually a fan of Alex Gray's artwork before I ever had a psychedelic experience. (laughs) I had no idea why I was just drawn to it. I was like, whatever this is, is super cool. And after I had the experience, I got it and it clicked. And I was like, oh my God, it was like I was predestined to have this experience and my appreciation for artwork in this vein was almost, you know, like the, the breadcrumb trail leading me to discover the experience for myself, which is wild. But, but for your, but for yourself, how would you feel? How do you, how would you describe like coming to maybe a spiritual perspective through psychedelics? Um, you know, it was, I actually think I did look at some of Alex Gray's work before and growing up as a kid, I started lucid dreaming pretty early. Mm. Uh, and I was like flying in my lucid dreams and before, like I was always really curious in the whole hallucinogen thing. And, um, like I heard about LSD as a kid and I was fascinated and like, you know, I was kind of being told in a way to scare me, but it actually intrigued me. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, lucid dreaming was happening and like I started lucid dreaming kind of regularly. I wanted to meditate, but I was kind of lazy and I started laying on my back and then I started like entering lucid dreams and started kind of doing all sorts of things and started training myself to fly and I would even like go into lucid dreams like consciously like deciding where I wanted to go and it was pretty interesting. I, I kind of stopped doing that uh that practice um and then uh yeah i would say like it was a progression of like taking mushrooms mdma then lsd and the one particular profound experience was um when i was like three hits of lsd like breathing away tension i I didn't never read about it i didn't even know what i was doing but i just like intuitively was like letting go all the tension in my body Mm. and then there'd be another round of tension surface and then I'd let that go and I kept doing it. And then next thing I know, 
I hear silence and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what meditation's all about. Like I never really got it. Yeah. And uh, so then I saw a light in the sky and the clouds were turning into Buddhas and angels and <laughs> a light came down and asked me if I was ready to be part of the light. Um, mm. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but it was really profound because and I, I still am struggling to get back to that moment. Like I am wrestling a lot of tension, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, that was like, once that happened, it was like my whole life changed. Like, Oh, I met my mentor and my husband like six months later and I still struggled with a lot of alcoholism and, you know, destructive habits that were just part of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, it was like, it was a progression and I feel like, I was always inclined for these kind of things because I was like really interested in lucid dreaming and really interested in like, you know, like the whole hallucinogen thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, wow. it, it eventually kept progressing into shifting and healing and growing. But it was that early on experience where I heard silence that, yeah, like I logged on. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I had a number of experiences like that too, where it came to me that the state I was in was the state that Buddha reached, which was this kind of, yeah, state of enlightenment. Um, And when you're in that moment, it feels like it's going to last forever. (laughs) Like time melts away. And I didn't have the context, I didn't have the words. It took so many more years after those experiences of studying yoga and spiritual traditions to understand what I had went through. Um, but I, I really resonate to that, that, that silence and that medit that meditative awareness that dawns on us, that dawned on you and I at least. Um, and it was so just peaceful and just so like <clears throat> incredible to, feel connected to this thing that you hear about, but almost doesn't seem possible or like it's only one special man in all of history that achieved it. And it's like, here I am having that experience. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Once you, uh, once you see it, you can't unsee it and changes you forever. And I think that's why, you know, they always warn you, Oh, you you know, like it's going to change you. Like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of been maybe like this, it's attached to this kind of negative thing but Mm -hmm. yeah you do get changed and for the good or you know some i think everyone's different in you know safety of like being aware of like certain types of people maybe aren't meant for it um Mm -hmm. or certain doses aren't meant you know it's a very personal thing based on where you're at um because some people could take the same thing and it turns into a really dark situation weeks after uh, yeah, having that self-awareness and reaching out for help. If you don't feel like you, you like trust yourself or you feel like safe, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, the best type of person that's going to have a positive experience is someone that's predisp- predisposed or has a predisposition for spiritual experience. So you having already been lucid dreaming before you ever tried a psychedelic, 
is a predisposition towards altered states of consciousness because that's what lucid dreaming is. Um, I myself, I, I don't exactly know how or why I was cool in these crazy heightened states of consciousness other than like the music and art that I grew up around. Um, like for sure, one of my favorite bands growing up and still one of my favorite bands was Tool. And I didn't even know why I liked Tool. Same thing as I, I didn't know why I liked Alex Gray's work. It was just <laughs> this like, whatever this is, like I'm feeling this resonance with like so deep. I would read their lyrics, not understand a word of what they were talking about. I was like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? I don't know, but I love it, <laughs> you know? Um, and and I could maybe see that all that subliminally was informing a spiritual predisposition, like knowing the words and feeling so drawn in by the tones and the artwork. And like that may have been like my training wheels, you know, mm-hmm. bef- before I catapulted into the, the experience myself. So I can see that, yeah, um, having, you know, a particular experience growing up could lead to us being able to successfully navigate these psychedelic states. Whereas other people who never are predisposed to all that type of stuff don't know anything about it, just grew up in a family or a friend circle that just you know, not not to talk down on anyone, but that was a little ignorant of those subjects. Um, they're just going to kind of freak out. And I mean, I've known many people to freak out and get sucked into the quote unquote bad, bad trip because they don't really know how to redirect their mind or are able to have fun with it. Um, so that's pretty wild. What does that bring up for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny you said that because um, I grew up, I, a friend of mine in elementary school, uh, I really loved going to her house and they were like hippies and I didn't really have much of a hippie infrastructure in my own home, but my mom and I would always talk about past life regression a lot. So that was like a really interested topic of mine. Like I was really interested in the spirit world and past lives and future lives. And then I would go to my hippie friend's house and her dad was like teaching us Grateful Dead songs. (laughs) And I'm like first generation deadhead, but I guess I had that influence early on. Yeah. And then, yeah, the Grateful Dead has become like, like as I got older, then I started tripping. And then my now husband started introducing me to the Grateful Dead or reintroducing me. I was yeah. like, oh, I know some of these songs, you know, like my favorite childhood memories were like kind of surrounding the Grateful Dead. And uh, yeah, it just uh, became like my medicine music uh, for my journeys, you know, still is in the Jer- Jerry Garcia band and Allman Brothers and now Billy Strings. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I haven't been initiated into Grateful Dead. I know what they are. I know how connected to the psychedelic scene they are. And I've heard a couple tracks for sure. But um, I think I just kind of missed the boat on it. And, and I, you know, that's cool because I could experience it now as if for the first it's never time. never too late. Exactly. You know, so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I would say uh, listen to like a whole show, um, mm. like with your trip, like get your trip started Mm-hmm. Get through like the first hour and change, you know, some, you know, turbulence and whatnot. And like have the show picked out if you ever want. And I can send you 
have like highly recommended that I keep finding out highly recommended shows each time I go in. Nice. But yeah, yeah. It, it, they, they take you, the shows are really the way to get in because the show is like, you know, the, the beginning is like certain, it goes through the first set, a bunch of songs, and then it all breaks down into drum space, which turns very abstract and almost like, like there's some EDM type, like a tra side trance stuff that happens, even tribal, very like abstract craziness. And then it all ties back up into the, the folky, like country blues, rock jam band stuff. Um, nice. So yeah, that's my recommendation is definitely have to listen to a whole show. Okay. Yeah. I'll hit you up when the time comes <laughs> for me to dip my toe back in. Yeah. Um, when it comes to becoming an artist, you know, when did it finally click as like, okay, I'm a hundred percent called to do this. And this feels like my Dharma or like my life path or like what I'm meant to do. Like, when did that realization occur for you? Um, well, fourth grade, it was like when I was like destined to become a painter. Okay. So that was like when I was like, I need the acrylic set. Like I had my first vision. I was like really into art. Um, it was the same year, like had a lot of like, like kind of traumatic events happen. Um, and that was the same year they put me on Adderall. Uh, so I feel like it was kind of like my instinct to reach out for a way to like create, but I also just, I've always been like, even as a little kid, just kind of like obsessed with creating and like transforming things. So then I studied in middle school. I was in like an art magnet program and, um, I was in an art magnet program and um, so I started learning how to mix paint and just fundamentals. And in high school, I kind of was like, oh, I want to be normal. I'm not going to like go to an art school. And then by like 11th grade, like the bug got me again and I was like making art all the time. So it was it was like always like I was always making art. It was a big part of my life. And then uh you know, I'd used art as a way to express like my deep depression, like suicidal vibes or all these just dark feelings that I had, uh, this self-destruction and lostness. But I, I, I enjoyed expressing it <laughs> mm -hmm. through art. A lot of my early work is dark and black and white and red. And um, yeah, then once the psychedelics started coming in, it was like, oh, there's like a meaning for all of these feelings. Like there's like, there's like compost for what's to come, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So then the art became like rainbow and like a tool to um, inspire others who might not find the point, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, Were you like yeah. drawing on stuff or was it paint <laughs> originally? It was drawing? Um, yeah, drawing. Oh, I mean, in every class, every yeah. chance I could get, I was drawing on everything. I even used to, like, draw on the roof of my mouth with everything I'm looking at all around <laughs> me. Like, uh, I, I like to think of myself as, like, as, like a banjo player, just, like, obsessively, mm. like, picking at strings, you know, with drawing. So mm. I definitely got a lot of, like, uh, 
practice early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. That was everything. Yeah. Were was there like a theme to the things you would draw? Um, were they characters or just like geometry or what? Def- do, you, do you recall what it was? Definitely a lot of eyeballs and naked chicks. Mm-hmm. Even when I was a little kid, it was like <laughs> the female form and eyes. And, like, creating characters and storylines. That was, like, a typical thing as a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started getting really into shading with, like, ballpoint pens. Whatever I could, you know, markers. Whatever I could get away with in class. Uh, I was typically in trouble for drawing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Same, you know, I've told this story a bunch, so sorry if any uh, avid podcast listeners of mine have heard it too many times, but uh, I would sketch the Alex gray eye like all the time too, like the tool, like lateralis eye. And then when 10,000 days, the album came out, I started drawing that eye and I didn't know why, you know, it's, it's so weird because (laughs) now that I think about it, it's like the eye of spiritual awareness, you know, it's the eye, the third eye, the eye that sees beyond the two eyes but I had no idea that's what I was drawing. And again, it's almost like this predetermined or predestiny or it, this thing that knows that somewhere down the line it's going to make sense, but you don't know why you're doing it now. It's almost the same case with you. Yeah. You know, it's like some part of your soul knew that you were destined to become like a professional artist and it was feeding you these intuitions to just keep that alive and keep getting better and keep getting better do you resonate with that yeah definitely and like building the technical chops to be able to one day uh articulate in a more like clearer or free like like a free ability to really articulate uh visions and you know the whole mission right yeah you said you had your first vision in fourth grade um, around the same time that you were prescribed Adderall. Uh, I was uh, at a point, I think I was in high school though. I was also prescribed Adderall. Um, But do you think there's a correlation with like that medicine working on you and the vision or were they kind of separate or I can't really remember uh, which came first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't particularly remember. But you know, Adderall, and then it turned into Vyvanse. It really, uh, like, I saw how it affected people differently. And some mm-hmm. people would have like really not social and kind of like weird uh, depressive come downs. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had like, like it made me want to do art more. <laughs> it made me like, like a Mad Max, like, like crazy person for art, uh, mm-hmm. super hyper focused and like want to create masterpieces. And you yeah. know, it had a euphoric effect on me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I even would take 60 milligrams of Vyvanse with an energy drink on the way to school and mix wow. it with lots of weed and just get crazy with the art and it just it became something that like the whole thing of how it ended 
was that I started developing gastritis, mm-hmm. uh, which is like vomit for hours. And uh, I guess the story goes that I vomited for a bunch of hours. And then I decided after, and I was at a, f- a festival after I stopped vomiting, I took some LSD and saw the Almond Brothers. And then an inner voice was like, yo, that stuff is killing you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I decided to stop like right. that, that day. It was like the last, I took it like one more time. And then mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. It became like super addictive for me. I feel like if I would have kept going on the addiction route, because I was a super alcoholic mixed with that, mm-hmm. like cocaine wasn't even a thing for me because it didn't have that euphoric thing. Like, I think if I would have kept going, meth would have been, like, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it has similar qualities. It's yeah. like, and I never did it, but I didn't have to have my 5 yeah. prescription. <laughs> totally. It's yeah. crazy how, you know, and this is why I think there are, these psychedelics are largely known as, like, a medicine, whether it's plant medicine or just, like, you know, I refer to, like, MDMA as heart medicine, um, mm-hmm. is that some, it gives us messages that are honestly for our growth and our benefit. Like, it sounds like that LSD trip was trying to finally tell you like, look, I know you like this, but just stop, just don't. And it's crazy how, you know, in our normal sober state of consciousness, it's so easy to just kind of, um, rationalize why, you need it and why you're going to do it again, despite the negative things you're seeing. It's just, it's so easy to just kind of keep going down that rabbit hole. But I've heard endless stories in the psychedelic um, trip reports world online about how people quit doing things that they knew were self-destructive, but couldn't stop after a trip, you know, whether it's smoking cigarettes or drinking heavily or, you know, doing, harder drugs or even something like that. Um, It's crazy how it has this ability to like pierce into our, like our deepest kind of intuition and give us a message that like can actually help us grow. Yeah. Yeah. When I uh, went home after that experience, a friend like just was like, Hey, do you want, these mushrooms and I was like yeah and like it was a bunch of mushrooms and I ate them for like over a week or two like you know a few trips and uh that was when the inner voice was like yoga start doing that instead of your vivance and like I never had very good discipline with any kind of physical practice by that point specifically like so then I started every day I would like start my day with I kind of got into kundalini yoga early on because all of the breathing and the movement and the chanting, uh, it felt like, first of all, it got me high, which I liked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then uh, I just felt, you know, I was really seeing how with intention we can transform our reality. So I really enjoyed the chanting part of it in combination. You know, like I felt like I was like setting the tone for my focus. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something else I realized down the line was that I think, and, you know, not to knock anyone who 
identifies as ADD or ADHD and thinks that they need them, these, these substances. This is my experience is that I think that it, like, there's a lot of trauma and like malnutrition, Mm -hmm. like not having a, a support system for being some artsy different person in a, you know, a school system that doesn't really support them. Uh, misalignment with like maybe your job or your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking some amphetamines to get the job done works. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, when you want to step outside of that, you start to realize like, how do I do this? It's like, I have to like, I have to honor myself and heal myself. And like, mm-hmm. you know, now I have energy to do stuff, you know? Yeah it's uh i don't even barely drink caffeine mm-hmm. i was like a 60 70 milligram vivance and a monster girl like every day <laughs> <laughs> you know and that was just to get like to just to barely function mm-hmm. so i just find that you know once you start healing and aligning yourself um you have more energy and focus and you know the focus thing also like it can not, it could be beyond just this life of trauma it could be ancestral trauma you know mm-hmm. yeah. what your parents went through you know if they yeah. were in your life or not in your life all of that kind of stuff and that's right. the sick society that you know is not really supporting people right yeah yeah it's it's crazy cuz it is it's tough to kind of stay sane in this society at the same time it is comfortable you know like we do have you know access to comfortable living good food Mm -hmm. uh air conditioning and yeah so there's some there's a bright side there's a dark side to our society absolutely um but this is actually a question that i did write um because i heard you talk about it in your other podcast recently which was kundalini yoga I have a number of episodes devoted exactly to that. Um, and I actually uh, got certified to teach it. So oh, I'm cool. a big, big fan of Kundalini yoga. Um, I was curious, how did you learn about it? Like, how did you discover it? Cause it's a very kind of niche. Yeah. Almost, almost secret. I don't want to say it's secret, but it's, it's kind of underground. It's kind of like not a huge form of yoga in the sense of popularity compared mm-hmm. to like a Hatha or an Ashtanga. Um, yeah. How were you exposed to Kundalini? I think it was just somehow YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I searched it, but I don't think anyone officially introduced me to Kundalini yoga. I just, once I realized that I needed to start doing yoga, I think I just started looking stuff up and... Mm-hmm. Somehow I came across some videos and I started trying it and I really loved just that breathing and the movement and the chant. And it was like, it was, it would like get me into like a vibratory state. Right. And, you know, I, I, I would love to, to jump back in sometime. I then eventually found, uh, Ali Kamanova, uh, who is, she doesn't just teach yoga. She's kind of has a like a fitness kind of full spectrum mobility and uh, strength training. And so 
So then I just got really interested. Once I kind of started to like arrive into my body yeah. and like have some dedication and respect for myself and have a practice, uh, I started like, you know, sitting up and breathing and taking the time to connect. And so it kind of like got me there. And then I just got really interested. Like I was always really like a, like a obsessive with exercise as a little kid. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just started tapping into strength training and, yeah. All that. Gotcha. But yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say you ever experienced like a <laughs> Kundalini awakening? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is because, you know, I was practicing the Kundalini yoga and I heard about it. I even, you know, I've heard about and witnessed people uh, like kind of trying to trigger the awakening and then having uh, like adverse effects from like, I guess like they say you shouldn't try to make it happen. That you, It should be a graceful, soft thing that naturally happens. Cause yeah. I have heard and I did witness one time, you know, someone going a little off the rocker right. through some sort of thing that maybe happened too fast or was aggravated and I don't really know, you know, this is just what I witnessed. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, February 2018, I was like, no, maybe it was like March. Yeah, no, I think it was February, yeah. I was meditating at the beach on some mushrooms, and all of a sudden a black sleeping serpent awoke at the base of my spine and began to coil up and around and... I was like seeing it in my mind's eye at the same time I'm experiencing it, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? I've like read about this, you know, I've heard yeah. about this. This is like really going down right now. Right. You know, the whole thing happens, whatever. We end up leaving the beach after a while, you know, good trip. A couple days later, I had another trip and the inner voice was like, yo, you could die any day because it was actually the night before I was to speak at a friend's funeral. Mm. And uh, I was like, yo, you could die any day. You need to become a full-time artist. And by the way, sign up for Alex and Allison Gray's workshop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> applied for their workshop. Uh, later on that year, I created a painting that went pretty viral. It was the Divine Moments of Trump. Uh, DMT painting mm-hmm. and then that within a year and a half I became a full-time artist so wow. then when I started to look back it's like oh my gosh like they say that the kundalini energy is your your bait like your your essence yeah and when it rises you merge with your essence mm-hmm. um and you know immediately after I began my path of becoming a full-time artist Wow. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the painting based on that experience behind me. Wow. Yeah, I was looking at yeah. that. I was like, I wonder if that's <laughs> what you're talking about while I'm seeing yeah. it back there. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah for myself, uh, I didn't know what Kundalini was, but I had the Kundalini awakening um, on mushrooms. And when I went home and Googled more or less you know, what are spiritual experiences? How are they induced? Because I just had one. The The word Kundalini kept popping up. And uh, 
and I would search, well, what is Kundalini? And then, you know, of course, affiliated with Kundalini, it was like, yeah, there's also this yoga, this Kundalini yoga. And uh, I, I would practice it also on YouTube. And uh, I would do the, the Kundalini yoga for like an hour. And then I would smoke a little cannabis. And I would be in a psychedelic state, not too mm-hmm. unlike the mushroom experience. So I was like, oh, my God, this really works. Um, so my Kundalini definitely became active uh, through psychedelics. I didn't even know it was happening while it was happening. Somehow I was able to navigate it, you know, pretty smoothly, you know, I guess because of what we talked about earlier, which is just like my predisposition to being able to be okay in those heightened states. Um, I was able to kind of tell myself like, this is temporary, you're going to be okay and just go with it. Don't resist, just flow with this. And, you know, so after I learned I could get into a psychedelic state off of just some yoga. I was intrigued to the point I started going to actual class in person. And then, uh, of course, in class, they're they're pitching you, yo, become a teacher, become a teacher. And I was like, okay. So cool. I did. And uh, it's been great. I don't regret it. Um, and it's mostly for my own practice. You know, while I do teach sparingly, like once a month, sometimes once every other month, um, I don't really do it as a career. I'm not like a yoga teacher as like my main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just mostly like a practice that I hold for myself um, that definitely works. And there's some interesting stuff uh, about where it all comes from. And I've done podcasts about all that. But uh, yeah, that, those that, out. yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty deep topic. Um, that's wild, but interesting how, you know, so many of us are having awakenings through psychedelics and whether or not we know it, we're probably activating Kundalini. You know, I'm sure a ton of people have active Kundalini. They don't even know. They're just highly inspired and highly creative and fully on board with a mission to like do a thing like, like yourself. Like I want to become a professional artist or some, some of them are musicians. Some of them can be, they're just like a massage, like a professional massage person that they have a gift with massage, you know, it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's just dialing in with your purpose and, and feeling super called to a certain path and kind of like knowing that for a hundred, 110% sure that this is your path is more or less, you know, like what that energy of Kundalini is connecting us to, you know, our, our higher self, our higher path, our purpose. Mm -hmm. If you feel connected to your purpose, you know, it's, it's, it's it's likely that, you know, you've got, I'm not going to say like a full blown Kundalini experience under your belt, but it's flowing, you know, Mm -hmm. versus someone who's like super lost and like, what, why am I here? And I don't, I'm good at nothing. There's nothing I want to do. I can't, you know, like they're just, kind of down in the dumps mm-hmm. it's probably not active um and i will say i don't think kundalini yoga or psychedelics are for everyone um sometimes there's just another thing another modality that's going to be better for you and uh i just so happen to really get a lot out of both of those things yoga and psychedelics so that's cool. interesting i'm glad we got yeah. to touch on that yeah, I would um, love to take a class with you sometime. <laughs> That'd be dope. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned becoming a full-time artist. Um, what steps 
you know, how would you describe like your journey and kind of doing it maybe as, you know, not quite full time, like maybe there weren't certain pieces in order for you to Mm -hmm. like, you know, make this a full time thing where it's like maybe where your income is coming from and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, What was that journey like of, you know, becoming full time and being able to step into that role uh, successfully? And, you know, like maybe think that we're speaking to other artists who who have a passion for this, but they they just don't know the steps to take. Well, uh, I think once I realized that, okay, let's backtrack. So um, I was, I had an idea now I was working at restaurants. That was my my main thing, working at restaurants. And then I thought, oh, like I need to be an art teacher. Maybe I'll make more money. And then I ended up in, in a school that I was not making more money. It was kind of a crazy situation. Um, so during all that, you know, I was doing my daily practice of my, my prayers where I call in things. So... Mm-hmm had this idea, you know, I had 4,000 followers. Um, before I say that, I do want to mention that uh, working at the restaurant always provided me with money to be able to invest in like a workshop, mm-hmm. uh, invest in materials, um, having like being able to work super hard, work a double and like invest that money. And I went to Amanda Sage's workshop. That was huge. Like t- mm-hmm. 2016. And once I, I would say that's the first step is like go to a workshop where you can be submerged for a week learning and honing in on technical skill and also and or, you know, connecting with other artists and hearing what they're doing because everybody has their own uh, their own like story. Everybody has their own resources or lack of resources, you know, so Workshop was really important um, in investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Then I started thinking, you know, I had 4,000 followers. And I was like, you know, if I if I have like something that could just go viral, then maybe people would know who I am. Mm-hmm. And I could have a bigger audience, then I could make more money. Um, so I started praying for a vision to go viral uh, mm-hmm. daily. But it would be a vision that is of service, you know, that is yeah. like also my my service, mm-hmm. uh, not just viral for sake of it. It was like viral, like so that I could be my greatest service. Yeah. Um, then that whole smoke DMT in the middle of a mushroom trip and see Donald Trump's smoking DMT on a mission to go to ayahuasca with his bros and mm-hmm. healing and. The earth was telling me, you know, there's enough medicine to heal our most toxic parts and my organs are being lined with gold. And Alex Gray Angel was like witnessing this whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, (sighs) super weird. Came out of it like cracking up. And uh, so, I mean, like that one. And then, you know, I started working on the vision Mm -hmm. and trying to articulate it. This simultaneously happened at the same like around the same months where I had that Kundalini awakening. Then I went to Alex Gray's workshop and I went back like a few months later after the workshop and I paid for the workshop with the restaurant money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once I dropped that painting, 
within six months, my following doubled. And within a year and a half, I was at a certain point where my husband, uh, he saw the momentum of what I was doing and he believed in it. And he was like, all right, I'm going to help you out. Like Mm -hmm. stop working at the restaurant for a little bit. And like, let's give this a try. Yeah. He really helped support me in those initial, like that initial year of like, you know, there was some months where not, not much was coming in, but I was Mm -hmm. like trying to like create momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something else along that, that path that I wanted to mention. But, uh, yeah. It might come back to you. It did. It did. So, uh, something else was like, um, I got invited after my first Amanda Sage workshop, I got invited to go back to Cosm to live paint at a summer solstice event. Mm. And I just knew that I needed to bring something really good. So I like started, I'd be like working at the restaurant. Like I'd have a four thirty shift and I'd be like painting in my apartment for like three hours, get ready, go there, come back home, do a little bit more painting, go to sleep, wake up, paint a little bit, go to the restaurant. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, I got to bring something really good. Yeah. And this was 2017. This is before like the, the Trump vision and that whole viral thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to Cosm with my painting and it was the divine imagination piece with like all the cartoon characters. And yeah, somebody came in super magical guy and he was like, Oh my God, it's like, you're reading the inside of my mind. And I sold the painting oh, and it wow. was my first like big sale, mm-hmm. uh, first masterpiece. And gave me like a down payment that night and like just like just like putting yourself in those positions where you can be seen but showing up and like like putting your best foot forward which was interesting because like two nights before that i had a trip before i went there and the trip was like yay shit like like just like you know you have to be humble and have fun so that was like the message i went there i was like I'm just here for some fun and I'm just going to be humble, but I did work really hard to bring something really special that. So once I made that sale that like really helped me believe in it. Um, so yeah, I would say a mixture of have a, have a good side, just like side hustle job. That is something like the restaurant, something that you can like kind of customize your schedule Mm-hmm. the rest it's not like a nine to five like you can take right. a week off you know yeah yeah something that's complementary to your thing that you can make good you know somewhat good money invest in workshops uh have a daily ritual practice where you start to make yourself believe that you are this full-time artist you know, I would say that every day. I am a full-time artist. I am a full-time artist. You know, um, make sure that your art is of service. Because mm-hmm. that will flow better, I think, than right. just because you want to do it because it's cool or whatever. Because, I mean, your service is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, get creative with your ritual practice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a really cool story. <laughs> <laughs> They're all intertwined and braided. Sometimes I'm like, wait, this year, that year. Sorry. It's just, no, it's, all good. it's a lot. Yeah. It's amazing. When it comes to like the um, monetization aspect, is there something that you would say like is the majority of the supporting funds that are coming in, whether it's like the actual one of one piece or whether it's prints or whether it's clothing, is there something you think is like, you know, most like more viable for like an independent artist to get to start doing or is it like kind of all of it, you know? I think it depends on each artist has a little bit of a different thing. You know, it depends on the type of art, mm-hmm. um, what you're going for. Cause there's some people that are more of like the festival art, like maybe it's quicker, maybe it's murals, maybe it's, mm-hmm. you know, originals that aren't super expensive that like, like are more affordable for more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it depends on like, know what you're going for and i've kind of done a little bit of trial and error in many different directions and now i kind of see like more of the path that i want to go in Mm -hmm. uh i would say most of it has been online sales Mm -hmm. uh and you know um i guess like when i got started there was like two original or three originals because that one i sold the original as well so those three original sales within like two to three years hmm. gave me enough money to like invest in prints and hmm. prints have been a big one specifically with like paintings that kind of got around a lot. Like the divine moments, the Trump one, that one has mm-hmm. been my biggest uh, like money mm-hmm. thing. Um, blotter art has been really good. Mm. Um Lately, like the blankets, the art blankets have been super great. Uh, I don't really love clothing personally because the sizes creates like, and maybe it's just that I've never been like a fashion kind of person or into clothing, but Mm -hmm. I'm definitely, I'm open-minded. It's just, it's a whole other beast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Things that are like, one size like the blankets or mm-hmm. tapestries um and then uh i did like a series of like mini cartoon commissions one year mm-hmm. and that was really great like that had a consistent money coming in and um that was pretty good but i would say also something is like you got to be ready to have the entrepreneurial grit yeah. deal with months that aren't so well mm-hmm. you know even like this summer was pretty slow for me and i was having moments where i was like am i gonna have to get a job you know and like just having yeah. those moments of it's intense and it's not for everyone you know uh right. but for me it's just like you know i'm gonna die like i gotta give it my shot like you know right. so it's, it's, I would say it's a combination of everything. Like you want to find what, like what type of art are you doing? Is it like more of like a fine art, like, like on a archival limited edition print. And I find personally that the limited editions are a really great way to create value for your customers in the long run. Dang. That's awesome. 
Well, that's great. I mean, hopefully, you know, any visionary artists that are maybe not, you know, fully realized yet, or they're still early on their path and, Maybe that will be helpful advice for them because, yeah, there's a bunch of people that I know that are like super talented, but maybe they just don't have like the blueprint or the even confidence to like fully dive 110% into it. But that's kind of what it takes. But it's interesting, though, how the universe does respond to intention. Mm. And uh, I'm a believer in like the law of attraction. So that was cool that you would tell yourself like, I am a full-time artist and it helped the universe reorganize to bring that <laughs> into manifestation. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy how that happens. Like I, I don't know how it happens uh, other than that. There's this kind of saying that I forget where it originates, but it resonates a lot with me, which is all is mind. So, mm that saying like the universe, the fabric of reality is mind or consciousness. It's not that consciousness exists within our head and everything else isn't it. Like this whole experience is consciousness. Therefore it is malleable. Like reality mm -hmm. is malleable in kind of a, uh, in uniformity with the mind that exists within us. Like they, mm -hmm. they can merge, you know what I mean? Just takes a little bit of time and repetition to get it moving. This right. is like, we're in a denser realm. Yeah. So you just kind of got to, it's like brushing your teeth every day. You just got to be like doing your little prayers. Um, just like, you know, also, something that was really helpful was like just meeting lots of other professional artists and seeing their story and what worked for them because I don't have a specific exact formula of how to get there, but mm -hmm. you can kind of learn from what's worked for me. Like uh, artists like Chris Dyer, Amanda Sage, like just listening to them and their story. Also uh, artist uh, Haya uh, Av or Av, Mm -hmm. She was really inspiring to me, like, and like totally different type of art, but just like her entrepreneurial hustle and like her limited edition stuff and just seeing like bits and pieces. And then you realize, okay, well, I don't really make art like that person, but I really like the way they did that drop or I don't like, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody has a different story. So just like, just getting to know more artist stories so you can kind of see what yeah. works and sticks for you. Absolutely. Mm. That's awesome. <clears throat> well, one of the other kind of questions I have was if there was a spiritual path that you resonate the most with, you know, what would that be? Um, and even if that's your own kind of belief system, like, but, you know, as I said before, I definitely resonate with the path of yoga um, and not just like doing the exercises, but actually like the limbs of yoga and then what they represent. So like, mm -hmm. I really resonate with like, like Patanjali. Um, and I also really resonate with the Tao, Tao Te Ching yeah. um, by Lao Tzu. But I was curious for yourself, you know, which of these kind of, you know, spiritual paths have you resonated with? Lately, uh, I don't want to 
say his name wrong, but I might. Uh, Nan Hat. Uh huh. Yeah, he's his teachings, and I listen to a lot of just like put on YouTube and just I've all even re-listened to the same things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, making good use of suffering and meditation, Zen Buddhism. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't dove too much into Hinduism, but just from what I've started with, like mm-hmm. super exciting. And uh, so, yeah, I would say Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, the Tao was like early on. I kind of mm-hmm. got introduced through Wayne Dyer on yeah. YouTube, like yeah, years same. back. Yeah. Uh, I would say mostly, mostly that, and and then part of me wants to be like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, not everybody in the whole scene is you know on that path, but there are, is a lot of beauty and uh, flow and surrender mm-hmm. and beautiful things that happen there too. And I think a lot of that probably gets inspired through the sacred teachings of the things we're talking about as well that get brought to the shows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, Tiknan Hat has been, mm-hmm. and uh, Juliana Garces introduced me to Tiknan Hat and mm-hmm. just learning more from meditators who spend time meditating. Right. You know, how to yeah. deal with emotions and hard situations and how to transform mm-hmm. suffering, make good use of suffering. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still learning a lot. So uh, anything you have to send my way, um, mm-hmm. I think I'm just a student right now. Yeah. Yeah. Same. H- how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. 31. Okay. Yeah. I'm about to be 33. Oh, cool. um, yeah. It's crazy how even being quote unquote, I'm, this really isn't middle age. I was about to say middle aged, but uh, <laughs> I still feel like a student, I still feel so young, you know, um, it's crazy yeah. how when we're a kid, we look at a 30 year old and they're, and we're like, Oh, they know everything. They've got it all figured out. And they're at the peak. And it's like, when you get to be 30 on your own, it's like, wow, I still feel like a kid to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Psychedelics help keep the, the kid like nature life too. Mm-hmm. Know, the spiritual path and not falling into the the whole structural societal right autopilot. yeah i'm gonna bot i'm gonna botch the quote but you know they do say like artists are the people who are able to keep that inner child intact um <laughs> because so many people kind of lose connection with it and become obsessed about things that don't really bring them joy like money and quote-unquote corporate success and marry mm-hmm. kids and blah 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 and you know i'm sure ma- being married and have kids can bring you a certain level of joy i'm not trying to say it can't but there's just this level of like oh i'm an adult now i don't i don't think about those those things that i wanted to do when i was a kid <laughs> and i don't know like i think that there's a reason that we have these interests as a kid, like for you, artwork. And for me, you know, music, the realm of music. And, um, I, you know, I do create music, but I found myself more as like a supportive role in music, um, with, a, a the label that I founded time wheel, where we like put out 
music that is emanating from the psychedelic experience and the, the spiritual experience. I mean, not every single person that we release, you know, maybe is a, a psychonaut, but uh, it, it, they're mm-hmm. certainly drawing from a similar vein of experience. And uh, so, yeah, for myself, like ever since being little, I was drawn to just, yeah, music um, and recording things. Like, it's funny now how, you know, I have this podcast when I was little, when we'd be on like long drives, um, you know, like going to Atlanta. I grew up in Georgia. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I'm in Texas, but, you know, we'd like drive up to Atlanta and two hour drive used to feel like eight hours for some reason as a kid. But (laughs) I would use this little recorder, tape recorder I had and just like make a little talk show by myself. Just talking about, I don't even know. I, I need to find those. Honestly, I'm sure I still have those <laughs> tapes somewhere. But uh, again, it was like this this weird pre-destiny yeah. of like what I would be doing when I was older. It was, you know, having a talk show. And uh, that's just wild to me, like how smart something in our soul is that it knows what's, what's maybe coming um, mm-hmm. or what you're meant to do. And... We don't think about it like that when we're kids, but we just think we're having fun. But that's that's what we're trying to say when we say keep your inner child intact is remember what is fun for you and try to bring it in even as an adult, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen uh, the Lego movie. I'm not sure. I don't, no, I, I don't think so, but I grew up loving Legos and I played this shit out of Lego Island of the video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the Lego movie, if for anyone watching this, I highly recommend. It was, I guess I watched it, I maybe it was 2016, and that was what sparked the Divine Imagination painting with all the cartoon characters. Um, but the Lego movie is all about how you know, we grow up and then we get like told not to play anymore and that we have to go to work and go to Taco Tuesday and watch the football game and, you know, do all these things that we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be. And we're just these corporate workers. And Mm -hmm. he like this magical team of magical Legos come and like save him. And it's, it's so profound. Like I started to watch it one time, like when we were just hanging out and then I was like, turn that off i have to trip and watch it and like it was like this whole like amazing experience and the painting came from it so yeah it's like super deep and it's all about like how we kind of lose our our child spirit yeah as we become you know anxiety filled adults running to do what we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. no yeah i'll definitely check it out i love getting movie recommendations so um, good. Yeah, it's crazy how sometimes these movies that look like maybe they're for kids can have such a great, profound t- teaching for us adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the same thing happened when I saw the movie Soul, I think it's called, by Pixar. Yeah. yeah I was good. like, yeah, you know, this looks interesting. I don't think I'm going to learn anything, and then I'll watch it. And I, I was like, by the end of it, I was like, holy shit, that was like super profound. You know? <laughs> yeah, moving. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. is there any other favorite movies that, that come to mind that you know, they don't have to really be in line with talking about adults and kids and stuff, but just like that yeah, blew yeah. you away? Movies. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's like oh, my yeah. new t- 
top favorite. That's so good. Yeah. Um, that one's really good. Cartoons were like really like my thing. Uh, really love SpongeBob. Like I feel like I get so much out of that even still. Like when I you break it all down, it's like don't be a Squidward. You know, like yeah. SpongeBob and Patrick are so like <laughs> lighthearted and ridiculous, and everything kind of good happens for them. Mm-hmm. Squidward is so like normal and you know in the box, and he's always having uh, a bad day. I don't know. I love that show so much. Um, and yeah. Super Jail. I don't know if you ever watched that one. It's pretty dark, the, but the, oh, psychedelic. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Metalocalypse or something. Yeah, yeah. That's, it came on around that time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I almost yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Did you ever get into anime? Or only, mm, like, cartoons, like, American? I've <laughs> watched some, It was, but not... I didn't get too, too into it, but I did start watching... I can't remember the name of, I mean, I watched some Naruto and mm-hmm. there was this other one with like a. Was it Inuyasha? A, I don't know. It was like kind of a creepy one with this face. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm blanking out on it, but I didn't get too, too into anime. I watched some of it, but not too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had a best friend in kind of high school that, no, 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 middle school. Yeah. Middle school that was obsessed with it. He had this like closet actually. He had a walk-in closet as a kid. That's pretty epic. But uh <laughs> it was just like anime posters everywhere and the ma- the manga which are like the, the yeah. comic books that you read backwards and he just and like all these action figures. He was like I was initiated into anime cult right then, but <laughs> um, nice. Been a lifelong fan. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not like you know, some people are like, they, they, they think they're in an anime <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I, and I don't, you know, like, look down on them. Cause I mean, whatever it takes to kind of live a fun, dope life, you know, yeah. I, I think it's cool, but, uh, I'm into it for sure. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's too late for me. I'm open-minded. <laughs> well, have you heard of Miyazaki? Hayao Miyazaki? Uh, he did Spirited Away. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That one, I, I. That's probably a top movie as well. Yeah, Spirited Away sure. was so good. I yeah. haven't seen Princess Monok yet. Uh, yeah, Mononoke. but it's on my list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that one is is epic. Okay, cool. He's actually just about to release a new one. Uh, it might actually be out already, but I'm gonna go see it in the theaters for my birthday, which is coming up. So, oh, yay. yeah, that'll be dope. But cool. um, yeah, I have a uh, two more questions here before we run out okay. of time. Um. One was about synchronicity. Um, is that something that you feel like you have a connection to or that you experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like I recently over the summer, things were like so slow and chaotic and not working out. And it was like so hard. And then all the way up until a certain point, then everything just went like flipped. And everything went the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, synchronicity, I think it's when things are flowing. And um, and just, uh, I also say, what do I say about that word? People say it's just a coincidence. Yeah. You know, like they kind of like say it as if it's meaningless or just happened like that. But I think coincidence means when things coincide. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you know, a cause and an effect and 
that's part of the same thing and they're interconnected and that I just feel like we've kind of like collectively lost hope mm-hmm. in maybe energy. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, yeah, synchronicity. So synchronicity is, yeah, the phenomenon where you'll like just have been thinking of something or someone mm-hmm. and it'll pop up like, so you know, oh, say, yeah. for, say for example, oh, I haven't thought <laughs> about this one friend that I haven't spoke to in three years. It's interesting. I wonder why I'm thinking of them. Who knows? And then two minutes later, you open up your Instagram and you have a DM from them saying, hey, what's up? How you been? And it's like, yeah. whoa, yeah, I yeah. literally just thought of you. Like, how did that happen? You yeah. know, um, I have this one that happens all the time, almost on a daily basis where, you know, we'll be at, it'll be at night and we'll be watching like a little TV show while we're trying to, you know, chill out in bed. And I'll be talking like to my, my girlfriend and I'll say a word and it's a very unique word that isn't just like a super common word, like highway, for example. And then on the TV, they'll say it at the exact same time I say it. They're like, <laughs> like whatever, for whatever reason on the TV, they'll just be like, oh, yeah, he's on the highway. And I'll say highway and we'll say it at the same time. And I'll be like, yeah, did yeah. Hear, did you hear that? <laughs> it's like we said, we said the same word at the same time, like the person on the TV and me. And it happens all the freaking time. I don't know why. Yeah, I yeah. Really, <laughs> That was, yeah, I actually, like the other day we were finishing a yoga class at home and as we're laying on the mat, I'm telling my husband, I'm like, like breathe in, feel, feel abundance, feel the energy of abundance buzzing all around you. And then like my phone goes tickling and I sell something and I was just like, the timing was like so freaky. We're like, it's happened a few times actually recently. And then we're like in a little DMT session in a mushroom trip recently and like like start talking about certain things for the future and like as I say a word the music says the word at the same time and I'm just right. like like keeps happening over like various different songs and I'm like man yeah. it's like uh, iTunes or the Apple music is like it's like in sync right now with me <laughs> it's yeah. weird yeah, freaky it is, and cool. It is weird. And then there's yeah. the whole phenomenon, which some people don't buy into. And I don't know. I try not to get too crazy with it. But like when you see repeating numbers, mm-hmm. you know, like 1111 or 333 yeah, yeah. or 555 or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I used to honestly feel like those were signals from the universe that like whatever you were talking about or thinking about, like do it. Like this is an affirmation. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I listen to a bunch of podcasts and, you know, some people are kind of like, eh, don't, don't buy too far into that, you know, because how many times do things repeat quite a lot of times per day, you know? So there's kind of a decent chance that you're going to see a repeating pattern on the clock, but sometimes it's just too fucking weird. Yeah. You'll get like a big, big download and you'll look and it's 11, 11. It's like, okay. So yeah, I'm in sync, you know? Yeah. I think just being an observer, uh, and as you observe it happen time and time again, in those certain moments, then you can kind of keep observing like i i tend to stay a lot in that observer role even though i will i'll be like yeah it's two 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 like right when i thought that that's that's freaking Mm -hmm. good but i i don't get too crazy with it either it's like 
you know, it's kind of like when people experience something in a trip and they get really like, they're sure of exactly what happened. It's like, you know, that could just be a little bit of information for whatever is unfolding that you'll keep finding out. So you might as well just not like put the period at the end of the sentence and just like keep it open so we can keep finding out what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this as a recommendation by a fellow psychonaut uh, that, you know, when you have like a massive download from a trip and you want to make this gigantic life change, like sell your house or Mm, like get rid, like get rid of a relationship or quit your job or like something that's like pretty damn big. Like don't act on it the next day. Give it a week. (laughs) At least. You know, yeah. And like, make sure that that's really in alignment. And sometimes it will be. Sometimes you'll have a a great epiphany that comes from it. Like for you, maybe it was, hey, don't keep taking the Vyvanse, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that was a good epiphany. It helped you out. Um, yeah. But, you know, sometimes we can get this thing like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to become like a, a monk and I'm going to sell all my my stuff and yeah, just yeah, like yeah. leave this life entirely. And I've had those thoughts. I've had thoughts of like, mm-hmm. wow, I got so much more fulfillment from that meditation than I get from all this work that I'm doing for all this money or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I can definitely have a thought like, you know, maybe you should pursue that full time and just become a full time meditator slash monk or whatever it might be. And, you know, I just want to say like, give it some give it a a week at least, you know, to <laughs> make sure that that's a hundred percent your path before you just like start going to do things that maybe a trip has recommended you do. So, yeah. As if it is true, it, even a month later, you'll still know. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to be scared that you're going to forget. Right. Like you need to, everything should be more in a steady pace. Right. You know, Mm-hmm. Thousand percent. Definitely, definitely don't like email your college professors while you're tripping or like <laughs> the board of something. You know, like I, I've seen people like doing stuff like that, and that I mean sometimes it works out. But I, I would say like mm-hmm. give yourself time to integrate before you take crazy action. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's an awesome place to kind of, you know. Um, finish this podcast and yeah once we get it out uh, maybe more ideas will come up and we'll do it again sometime but uh yes that'd be yeah. great. i super appreciate your time um how can people you know find you online and your website and all that stuff uh my name anywhere stella strazowska s-t-r-z-y-z-o-w-s-k-a <laughs> um long but you can find me on all platforms stella strazowska and stellastrazowska.com shop stellastrazowska.com if you go to my instagram i have all the links in my bio awesome. and yeah super super like honor and pleasure to chat with you here yeah. super present and great questions thank you so much i yeah. appreciate it yeah of awesome. course anytime all right guys well thank you guys for listening today uh thank you once again stella for being here and we'll see you on the next episode thank you